0: Battle Sports Diaries podcast. Now, here is your host, Mike, and the rest of the SSD gang. What is going on everybody welcome back to another brand spanking new episode of seattle sports diaries i am your host and as you can tell i'm not joined by riley for the first time uh to start off the show i'm actually joined by trevor what's going on brother hey man how are you doing getting ready to go watch some state basketball tournament stuff going on down here in vancouver nice well real quickly i want to go ahead and say this but uh for uh, until the season starts for baseball, I am going to be wearing a brand new uh, new baseball hat every single week, and I feel like I s- should start off with one of my all-time favorite hats that I own, and it's not a Mariners hat. It is a Cleveland Indians hat. Not the G- Guardians. Not y- the Guardians. Not, not It's not an XFL ripoff team. <laughs> <laughs> By the way... Um, one of the more special things about this hat is it's got the 97 World Series patch on it. That's extremely cool. Oh yeah, and it feels amazing. It feels amazing on my head. I just make sure I don't sweat in it and ruin the hell out of it. But uh I've got a ton of I got a ton of baseball hats. Uh, I'm a diehard Mariners fan and every, during the season I will wear Mariner, Mariners hats all the time, but till the season starts, you know, you got to do what you got to do. All right, so let's go ahead and get into the main thing that we need to talk about: some UW basketball hoops. And you know, I was able to get, I was able to go to the ASU game live, and I don't think I've ever had more fun at a basketball game in a long time. That's saying something because uh, it was actually my second UW basketball game that I've ever attended, and the first one was actually at ASU. Oh so no! Ir- so it's ironic that I, that the second ever UW game that I go to, uh, it it they had to play ASU, but uh, had a blast. I was on TV uh, probably about eighty percent of the the television broadcast, so that was fun. I, I can point out where I was by the way, but no, I mean the, the UW hoops uh, has been having some issues over the last few games. Um, you know, especially this past game, uh, losing to Wazoo, that was not fun at all because, you know, uh, ever since the ASU game, you know, they they, they played against Arizona and they were uh, for some reason they got off to a really good start. But then yeah. all of a sudden, that's when the shit hit the fan. I mean, it, look, it's 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 number two, Arizona. I mean, we're we're we re- first of all the the fans, there chanting overrated. Not cool at all. Like it was the first fucking half of the game. Wait until there's a minute left and you're up by six (laughs) to start chanting something like that. But no, I mean, it's again, it it was number two, Arizona. What do you expect? You're not, you're not going to beat a high powered offense like that when you're not even a top 25 ranked team.
1: Right, and you look at you went to their last win, which they're now on a four-game losing streak. But up until that Washington State loss, you can understand why Washington lost those three games because you're looking at the top three teams in the conference, and in my opinion, three teams that have the talent and the ability uh, to make uh, quite a run in the tournament come March. So uh, I thought that those games were were probably going to be losses anyways, and Washington hanging around that sixth spot. Wazoo's a team that they should be able to beat their defense puts enough pressure on the ball handlers that Wazoo should have been, uh, sh- should have been a win, but you know, they, you know, finding the weaknesses in the zone, getting to the high post, uh, Washington state played it pretty well.
0: And that's the bad part because um, you know, I, I was watching the game and this was, a, it was an even evenly fought game. For the first half, you know, it was basically whoever wins the second half is going to win the game, you know, 33-33 going into the right. second half. But uh, the, I think one of the big things that, that that was a key in this loss to Wazoo was Terrell Brown was a no-show in that game. Uh, the right. first time really that we, th- that was actually the first time oh, that yeah, we've right? really seen. Yeah, Terrell Brown's been in every game, uh, most mostly year round. Terrell, he plays 40 minutes. So he played the entire right. game, which you don't see. You you never ever ever see someone play that much. Um, he had eight assists in the game, eleven points. But there was some, there was a couple times where I saw him just hold the ball too long, and I think it's just I I, I want to say it's kind of like the star, like the stardom in him, just saying you know, hey, I I know I'm the best scorer on this team. I need to try to find a way to uh, pull back, but. There were, there were times, you know, Wazoo was double teaming him a couple times. And right. The, right then is where Terrell Brown should have just said, you know, I need to just pass this ball. Um, that's, the only bad, that's the only bad thing about uh, Terrell Brown that I will say is he, he does hold on to the ball too long. Um, that, that's, that's an issue. But here's the thing. He holds on to the ball too long because he is the top scorer. Right. When you're the top scorer, you're going to hold on to the ball. Look at James Harden. I don't like to make that comparison right there. I do not like to make that compare. Oh, are, are the kids going to make a cameo appearance on the, on the podcast? I am outside
1: in freezing cold temperature, and my kid just came out
0: in underwear.
1: Hey, go back inside. It's way too cold for you to be outside. There he goes. Hey, at least at least he didn't uh, go all nude. I mean, yeah, that's true. <laughs> I mean, that's about as much clothes as he likes to wear. So
0: <laughs> uh, getting getting back to the Terrell Brown thing. Yeah. Um, No, I don't like to make that comparison with James Harden because I think James Harden is, in my opinion, one of the worst in the NBA because there's there's nothing special about James Harden. There really right. is not anything special about James Hart but there is something special <laughs> Hey you need to go inside and close the door please
1: You need to go inside and close the door I apologize for this
0: No no Hey you're a family man
1: <laughs> Close the door Owen oh, close the door Thank you Uh yeah. <laughs> yeah So I you're you're absolutely right about Terrell Brown Um I think that you have some situation there where you um Hey, this isn't funny anymore. It's time to go inside. Don't worry. Uh I'll just mute
0: you real quickly that way you can take Okay. This. Yeah. So but yeah, um getting back to what I was saying uh about Terrell Brown is again bad bad comparison to compare him to James Harden, but he is like James Harden. He does he 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 dribbles the ball a little bit too long. He holds on to the ball just a little bit too long. That does cost the Huskies uh possessions from time to time. Um and uh you know again i noticed it even in the uh in the ASU game uh he did hold on to the ball a little bit too long it did cost some possessions and that also allowed ASU to uh claw back into that game at that point as well
2: so yeah, uh, go and-
0: ahead so go ahead and continue about everything you were saying by the way
1: yeah uh it- One of the issues that I see with this team, especially the loss to Arizona, you only had eight assists for an entire game. And I I don't know if you can win uh, with only eight assists. Uh, Terrell Brown is a fantastic basketball player. He's a really good offensive weapon. Um, He's a really good leader, and he's really scrappy on the defensive side of the ball. But sometimes when you see the over dribbles, you see the rest of the team uh, get a little stagnant. Uh, It's hard to move Mm -hmm. when you're not seeing the ball. Ball's got to move around quite a bit to keep everybody engaged on the offensive side of the ball. And I think that's where Washington, in some of the bigger games and their losses especially, they rely so heavily on Terrell Brown to get 20 points, but he still shoot. I mean, that errors, the, the Washington state game, he had 11 points, but he put the ball up almost 20 times. So, uh, there, there's a, there's a disparity there where, uh, if he's not hitting Washington really doesn't have a shot to win a game.
0: Yeah. And, uh, I want to go over this ASU game, the 87 to 64 win again, th- uh, there was the ball was moving there. The ball was moved that's yeah. what that's how you dub can win games that's yep. I think that if you dub played exactly like they did in that ASU game they would actually be one of the top teams in the conference yeah um but the the thing that I want to point out is four different players were in double digit points uh Cole Badgema with 12 points PJ Fuller with 16 uh torrell Brown with 19 uh, and uh Matthews with 15. And also, I need to throw a big shout out, a big mention to my guy, Nate Roberts, who had eight points and seven rebounds and only two fouls in that game. He, yeah. did, he actually did a really good job of staying out of foul trouble. Uh, but this last game, though, against Wazoo, he did foul out. And I think that was also another big uh, key in, in why they actually lost that, to, that game to Washington State, because... Uh, and, and also I, I was noticing a lot of issues trying to get the ball back uh, when Wazoo misses a shot. There, there was a lot of rebounding issues for UW in that game.
1: Yeah. And that's actually one of the big weaknesses of running a zone. You know, when you're playing man-to-man defense, you grab the guy that, you, that you're guarding and you, you know, you put your back into him and move him. in a zone. That's a little bit tougher because there's not necessarily set guys. You're defending a zone and guys can be, can come in and out of that. And that's when you just get into a jumping match. And, you know, you're also trying to get, ki- uh, players to shoot, which means longer rebounds sometimes, which means the ball can bounce the wrong way sometimes. So uh, offensive rebounding under Hopkins has always been an issue, even when, uh, you know, they got guys down there, big, long athletic guys, uh, like Nate Roberts, um, Sometimes the ball just goes to the wrong spots, or you know, guys miss the guy in their zone who they're supposed to
0: block out. Yeah, definitely. Um, real also quickly, a big bombshell got thrown to me. So, uh, Nate, I was texting with Nate a couple of days ago, and he said that the Oregon State game, which is senior night, will be his final game. Um, so really, really shocks me. He's a red, he's a red, red shirt junior, but uh, you know. He, he's got to do what he's got to do. I wish him all the best of luck, but uh, he doesn't know this yet, but I, I asked, so he hooked me up with the tickets for the ASU game, which I was so thankful. I was sitting right in the third row. That's which, which, which which if you saw the, the photos that I took, I mean, I was just right there in the action. Um, The only thing that was really annoying about the game was the student section. I hate (laughs) to say it. Um, there were these guys that were sitting right behind me. They were asking the the coaches, they're like, Hey coach, can I get a mint? Can I get a mint? Cause there was a bag of mints. That was, uh, first of all, uh, <laughs> they threw a couple mints up there, but I was also sitting next to Cole Badgima's family. They were annoyed as hell that they kept asking, uh, coach Hopkins and Conroy for mints. <laughs> yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> but, uh, but I did have a lot of fun at that game. Got to see Nate, uh, have a really good game as well, but uh, um, another thing about that game, like I said, the the ball was moving every step of the way. The Huskies were able to move it fluently. Uh, Cole Badjima hit perhaps one of the quickest threes I've ever seen in my life, um, and you know it was it was a fun night all around. It was an absolute fun night all around. But again, now a four game losing streak for the Huskies uh, coming into tomorrow. Where again, they they want to they want to at least secure half of the Apple Cup, right. um, because uh, we got uh, the the SSD Twitter account got trolled hard uh, the other night by Wazoo fans. That. Yeah, uh, I mean, I will say this about Wazoo fans: like y'all talk about how we're unclassy. Hmm. Yeah, take a look at your
1: tweets. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but um, I liked no. your your response that you like your follow your WSU followers more than your Oregon followers. That was pretty funny.
0: <laughs> well i i i had to post that tweet but yeah uh one the other admin that runs he he always he wants to remain on it he doesn't want to really talk that much he's not part of the podcast but he does run the account from time to time but he did but uh sometimes he does tweet some stuff that uh should not be tweeted yet but uh-huh. you know you know this game tomorrow uh against wazoo it's a, it's a winnable game uh yeah. i mean i want to say that the big keys to the the huskies winning this game is do exactly what they did in against ASU. Move the ball fluently, move the ball constantly, keep Wazoo off their toes, take the smart shots because that's what they did against Arizona State. That I yeah. noticed a lot. They took smart shots. There was there was hardly any bad shots that I saw in that game. I want to say that was probably about. I want to say just ten bad shots in that entire right. game that, that 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 UW actually took, and but. Uh, pj fuller i want to i want to bring this up pj fuller had one hell of a game yeah yeah, yeah he did 23 points and he was and it was just raining threes from him i don't know what got into him but uh he's got i think he's got a tattoo on the right on his left shoulder that uh it's got bugs bunny holding up the the mike secret, secret stuff, stuff. Yeah. yeah but i think it says P.J. secret stuff i think he oh was that's drinking awesome. Mad- I think he was drinking that before the game.
1: <laughs> it's really actually nice to see him, uh, have a game like that because, uh, I think we've all known that he has that potential and he really hasn't been able to really go off like that much this season.
0: Yeah. I mean, uh, the, the three players that I've really loved watching this season for the Huskies, of course, is going to be Nate Roberts, who, uh, again, I got, I got to show love for the guy that, you know, I'm good friends with, uh, Again, he might be joining us a little bit later if you want to join back on the show. The link is still going to work. Uh, but uh, but no, I've enjoyed seeing Nate Roberts play this year. He's actually uh, played way better than I've seen him in the past couple of years. Yeah, um, he's taking a big step forward. It's sad to see him go. It's going to be yeah. sad to see him go. Um, but anyway, uh, he again, he doesn't know this, but I'm going to surprise him on senior night. I actually got a ticket for senior oh, awesome. night. So, so I will go there, and I'm just going to surprise the hell out of him. Uh, another thing that I got to do, uh, at that ASU game was I actually got to, uh, coach, coach Hopkins was actually in the stands and I was talking to David Chris, who was there. Um, and, uh, I said, Hey coach hop. And he's like, what's going on? Like, he's so energetic. First of all, I told him that I was so, I was so intimidated by him. I told him I was intimidated as hell, uh, before the game. He's like, why were you intimidated? And I said, because when you're coaching you scared the shit out of me <laughs> he's a yeller man <laughs> but he is such a he's such a fun uh energetic person i love the fact that he is the head coach of the huskies um the only issue uh i t- i heard this the other day on uh kjr they're very fluent when it comes to husky basketball i love that especially with softy and uh, dick fane but uh the one thing that I think the bad thing about the Mike Hopkins era of UW basketball is uh, a lot of top prospects here in Washington don't want to commit to UW anymore. They, because they, I don't think that, I think the main reason is because when I hate to say this, I really do, but when coach Romar was here, he had a connection with the players. It didn't matter if they were meeting him for the first time or if it was just a 30-second meeting, he had something to do with uh top Washington basketball players coming to the school. Um, and that's a big thing. And and again, uh, we talked about this a few weeks. I think the last time you're on the podcast. Another thing that's not helping Mike, Mike Hopkins is a you're in Adidas school, and you know, most of the schools that are in the Pac 12 are either Nike or yeah, are Nike schools. Right. And uh, looking, uh, looking at UCLA, they've actually turned into a Jordan school. Yeah, and yeah, they were know, Under Armour for a little while. They were Under Armour. First of all, who the hell wears Under Armour? Like, I don't. I, like the only time Steph I ever, Curry, I think. The, no, well, I, the only time, <laughs> the only time I ever wear Under Armour is if I'm wearing a fishing shirt, or if I'm going, or if I'm going hunting. Right. That's the only time I wear Under Armour. Right, right, but. Uh No, I mean, again, it, 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 people think it's a bullshit excuse, by the way, is the brand takes these kids away. But if you look at it, Mike Hopkins, sometimes he needs to, he, I think more of Will Conroy should actually talk to these kids rather than Mike Hopkins, because I feel like Coach Conroy does have a more uh, better chemistry with not just the players that are playing for him right now but the players that are uh you know trying to are are thinking about committing to UW and again you know it has to do with chemistry and it also has to do with the brand that you're also putting out and let's be honest I mean if you're giving if you're given a choice to go to a Jordan school a Nike school or an Adidas school Adidas is the one that's is not going to be on your list I mean even though that like I, I will say this myself if I was an 18 year old well that was 14 years ago by the way (laughs) so 14 years ago UW was still a Nike school if I would have gotten an offer to either play for Wazoo Oregon or UW I would still pick UW at that time because they're a Nike school I wanted to go I would want to go there to play not just for the Huskies but also because I get Nike gear now that's why I keep saying that the the Adidas merger I think was a bad move on you dubs part, because again, it's just a lot of kids. They love Nike and Jordan. They don't really love Adidas.
1: Yeah. So you've, you've brought up a couple of really interesting points. And the f- first one definitely is the Adidas rollout. And from what I, what I heard uh, that was private and uh, public and private was the goal was to make the, the the message was basically look, Oregon's Oregon's your biggest rival. They're Nike. They're never gonna give you the sweet deal that they have with Oregon. Come to Adidas. We will be it'll be the rivalry between not only the programs, but the brands. And um and then they gave them a lot of money to come to Adidas. The problem with Adidas is their rollout of their merchandise has been uh extremely subpar and extremely almost uh i i have i have i don't know how to say it other than sort of like an elitist attitude where uh the common fan (laughs) had a really hard time getting um the newest merchandise um so i i I feel your pain on that because i don't think that adidas has come through with what they were supposed to
0: Oop, did we lose uh, Trevor for there for a second? I think we lost him. Can you hear me still? Yeah. Did, 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 it, was it was that on second. my end? Was that no, on my end? I'm not sure. I, I've had a couple of issues, but I'm right next to the okay. Router, okay. So I'm not really sure, sure. Okay. Uh, repeat what you actually were just saying. By the way, sorry about that.
1: No worries. Um, it was. Uh, Adidas basically promised to make Washington the flagship station of the West. Like when you think of what uh, Adidas. Uh, in the western region of America, you were going to think Washington, and I just don't think they've done a great job of marketing that. And uh, I think that's probably been the biggest disappointment on my end. Um, when it comes to Romar and the 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 difference between Romar and Hopkins, uh, Romar did such a good job of relationship building. Um, and then when he got when when you got there, he allowed you to play your offensive style game. Where he struggled was defensively, um, but he knew how to get a quick bucket. Hopkins is the opposite. Hopkins um, puts you more in a box on the offensive side of the ball. And honestly, if I'm Nate Roberts, you, I, you could even look at transferring to a school that's going to allow you to develop your game on the offensive side of the ball a lot more than Washington does. Because Hopkins is concerned with the defensive side.
3: Now Hopkins,
1: I, I, go ahead. Sorry, sorry. No, go ahead. Go ahead and finish. Hopkins, on the other hand, the thing that I just I fell in love with the Hopkins era with some of those Romar guys, because I saw that Hopkins got that there was no buzz around the program. I remember when he bought pizza for the entire dog pack. He thanked the dog pack for coming out. He was really engaged with the uh, the people at the at the gyms. And then to a man, even the ones who have transferred out love Mike Hopkins. So um, I'm I'm. But I think with some of the things that he does on the offensive side of the ball, some of his schemes and his um, his ideas, uh, I think turn off some of the highest profile players. That's why you know Syracuse doesn't really have a ton of first round draft picks to speak of under Jim Boeheim in the same same way, other than Carmelo
0: Anthony. Mm-hmm. So here's an, so two interesting questions, by the way, because I I was really curious about this because also, um, you know, they. they Softy and Dick brought this up real quickly. So, Paulo Benchero. Yeah. Now, if, now think about this. If, if if Romar had still, if Romar was still the head coach for the, for the University of Washington, could the Huskies have possibly landed Paulo Benchero? I, in my opinion, I don't think so, but it would have, but there would have been a better chance of him going to, of committing to UW than he did with, uh, Duke really, you know, my, my takes on Benchero is first of all, that's an unbelievable athlete. He is an absolutely unreal athlete at Duke. Um, I think he's going to be one of those one and done players. I think he should. 100%. Stay. I, I will say this though. I think he should stay just one more year. I mm-hmm. want to say he should just stay one more year because I said the same thing with Markel Fultz. I did not think that Markel Fultz going one and done was a good idea. I thought that Hell Fultz should have stayed one extra year to work on his shooting. And it was the same thing with Tony Roten as well. Um, right. A lot of these one-and-done kids, they have shooting issues because they don't develop it in college as much. But, you know, that's just me. So do you think, though, that if Romar was still head coach that uh, Paolo ben- Benchero could have possibly uh, – would have th- that the Huskies would have had a better chance of locking him up?
1: that's that's such a good question and, and and I think that uh you know when Mike Shashevsky calls you're gonna answer but one of the things <laughs> that I look at is um when a kid leaves the hometown school in his top five um I think that shows you that, he wants to give the hometown school every opportunity to convince him to stay. And that's why I think that maybe if Romar's there, if he got things turned around, which I don't know if he would have, it looked like they had things turning around with some of the players that were there, but he had a lot of first rounders that didn't make it to the NCAA tournament. Uh, I think he probably could have reeled him in. Cause I think that kid really likes the Pacific Northwest.
0: Definitely. All right. So here's the last question uh, before this segment is over. So you mentioned that you mentioned the first year of of Coach Hopkins, where he had all, where he basically had all of Romar's kids. You know, yeah. he had he had he had Noah Dickerson, he had David Chris, he had Jalen Noel. Uh, you know, a lot. So, do you think that Romar could have actually taken that team to the NCAA tournament, um, just as Mike Hopkins did? I, I think, I want to say no, because I feel like. Mike Hopkins changes had a little something to do with the success of that last year's team. But I don't want to say that he got handed uh, a possible sweet sixteen u dub team. It was already there. But if Mike Hopkins would have possibly came in a couple of years later, I feel like that husky team could have maybe made an elite eight run at some point,
1: yeah, that's that's the question because one of the interesting things that Noah said on our show this week is of course, Washington wasn't going to be 11th where they were kind of picked to be at the end of the year. They were going to be a middle of the road team because they have a bunch of veterans who've played a lot of basketball at the D one level. And so with that being said, the more you play major division one basketball, the better you get at playing that game. And so they were going to start winning some games, I think the thing that Hopkins did that revolutionized Washington basketball was unleashing Matisse Thibel on the conference and allowing him <laughs> to basically gamble for an entire game, rack up as many steals and wide open dunks as he can and create absolute havoc for, um, for opposing teams. I mean, they went to Kansas and beat Kansas who was like a, like they were number the one at the ten time. at that point. They were number one at the at
0: that, that top, is at that absolutely
1: time. insane. Exactly. And so I think that I think that his defensive philosophies combined with um the offensive skill that was there and developed by Romar, um I think led to like a perfect storm. Uh because you saw even their the year their senior uh, Noah senior year when they actually went to the tournament and, and David Chris senior year and Matisse uh their offense actually was a little bit worse than it was that first year. And that's because they were starting to get handcuffed a little bit, but they allowed, you know, Jalen Noel to become the, the, he was kind of that feature scorer, Um mm-hmm. And he ended up be what well, he was the Pac-12 player of the year that year. So I think that um, since then though, they haven't been able to find a consistent enough offense. And that's because that's not Hopkins forte and they haven't found necessarily the right assistant coach, offensive genius fit that they need to, to take the players who are good, both in the zone and adequate enough on the offensive side to, you know, compete for the top of the conference.
0: So here's another quick question before we get out of here. Um, I I've had this on my mind for a while and I was going to ask you about this uh, whenever you got back onto the podcast, but so Will Conroy has once again a great relationship with not just the players. He has a great relationship with the recruits. Yeah. He is that guy that everyone loves to talk about at UW. I mean, if we're gonna if we're gonna talk about a guy who I think deserves a head coaching spot, Will Conroy is the guy that should be coaching this basketball team because all I saw from him that that that, that first uh, that night that I went to the to the to the game was I saw him. Uh, just hyping up these guys, making sure that these guys were comfortable and telling these guys, you know, Hey, you need to, you need to be here. You have to, you have to be, he was the guy. Yeah. So I think that if we had Will Conroy as a head coach, I think that this team would be a lot better off. Not that I'm saying that Mike Hopkins is a bad head coach. It's just, I think Will Conroy has a better chemistry with the players and he knows how to use the players efficiently. I
1: think that's, I mean, I, I I think that Will Conroy will end up one day being the head coach at the university of Washington. I think it's just a matter of time. What I, what I would love to see happen is the relinquishing of some of those head coaching duties, recruiting, coordinating, uh, in-home visits, stuff like that to maybe go to somebody like Conroy and allow Hopkins to do what he does best, because this is the most aggressive this zone has been. And that's, that's what Mike Hopkins does that does well is he designs zone defenses. And so if that's the route they want to go, I, I, I will be sad when, and if Mike Hopkins is fired, because I think that he brought buzz back to Washington that has been lacking. But, uh, if it ends up happening, I think that the first phone call at least has to be to Will Conroy, but we got burned with Jimmy Lake. So I'd expect, Uh, the AD to uh, Jen Cohen to do at least some sort of a national wide search, but really the front runner going into that has to be somebody like Will Conroy.
0: Definitely. All right. That is going to do it for this uh, UW segment. Um, If uh, Nate Roberts, if if Nate actually does show up, I will give you a text that way you can jump on and talk to him a little bit, unless you are busy, but if you're not good, man, definitely jump back on here. So, uh, but if not, man, I will uh, talk to you next week.
1: Sounds good. Thanks,
0: Mike. No problem. Have a good night. There we go. That's gonna be our UW segment and everything. And now we uh go ahead and get into our baseball segment. And we are joined by a very special guest tonight was uh Christian Rua of uh Slasher Sports Podcast. How are we doing tonight, man? Hey, how you doing?
4: How's everything going tonight?
0: Um, well, it's going pretty well. Going going pretty well. I mean, uh, I actually just had to change my hat as you saw because you're wearing a uh. mariner's hat. I was yeah, uh, pretty I good was, colors. Thought it. I was, thought I was sporting it. the Chief Wahoo hat for uh, just uh, for you know shits and giggles, but you, uh, you know, yeah. Uh, first of all, tell us about the tell us about the slasher report uh, slasher uh, podcast, man. Because uh, give a give a little background about your podcast. Yeah,
4: absolutely. So, um, slasher sports.com is um is a fantastic website to go to for all your sports and entertainments needs. We really do focus on the baseball side, um, but we are. Um, we have a lot of really cool niches. We have a really neat entertainment podcast called Slashers and Screamers that really pay attention to horror flicks. And they're hilarious. Four guys on there. Well, three guys and a girl. Uh, sorry about, about that, Casey. But, um, yeah, a fantastic niche there. And then we have two other podcasts with the website. Uh, myself, The Row Report, that's actually just starting March 1st. Really excited for that one. And then we had the Hit City podcast with good old Billy Graves. Uh, and he's uh, another baseball podcast, both part of the International or Internet Baseball Writers Association of America, the IBWAA. We're really excited to get this back going and get started. We need baseball, though. We
0: oh, need God, baseball. we need baseball. Uh, real quickly, I also want to go ahead and uh, just punch a little bit of this in. But uh, if you guys have not done it already, go ahead and give uh, BS Commentaries a subscribe on YouTube. Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. We are a now a movie commentary podcast. We just put out the second episode last night. The second episode is now available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify, and on YouTube for all your viewing pleasures and listening pr- privileges. Uh, last night, we, uh, by the way, let's go ahead and bring in our uh, baseball guy, Nate. What's going on, brother? Hey, what's up, man? Can you hear me all right? I can hear you perfectly. Sorry, I got all the baby stuff <laughs> in the way here. Sorry. So to continue my little uh, promotion, so yeah, uh, BS Commentaries is actually a brand new podcast uh, from the Seattle Sports Diaries uh, family we're doing. It is a movie commentary podcast. We have done two episodes, which the first one has actually now hit over a thousand hits on Apple Podcasts within the first week. I did not expect that much... uh, I really was not expecting people to enjoy a Titanic movie commentary. That was, that was the first episode. That was the first movie that we did was Titanic. Um, again, it was, it was three hours, but it was three hours well worth it. Um, and then uh, last night we did a movie that I've never seen before, Scott Pilgrim versus the world. And next week we are doing a movie that our uh, co-host k Hart has never seen before Dante's peak. So oh, right. if you guys are not already subscribed to BS Commentaries, go on YouTube, subscribe to us. And again, subscribe to Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, BS Commentaries. All right. Done promoting that other podcast. Let's get back to this. Um, interesting thing happened today with a lockout. Rob Manfred, the the uh, Adolf Hitler of sports commissioners himself, turned up at the... Uh, at the meetings today, I mean, good thing or bad thing, I want to say this is a good thing because at least he's hearing out both sides. And but the problem that I want to bring up is why in the hell were these two sides not talking in December like this? It was because I want to say if they were talking, if they would have been talking like this during December, something could have a deal could have been closer. By now, but I'd still want to go ahead and keep the optimism right now that we are gonna get a deal by Monday because there has been progression, it's not a lot of progression, but it is something positive to go on. Uh, Christian, your thoughts on today's lockout meetings and again, uh, Adolf Hitler of sports uh sports commissioners uh rob manfred showing up yeah
4: it was interesting seeing him there uh i think that's fine it's about about time you bring up a very important point that what would happen if these negotiations would have happened in december right i feel like no matter what we wouldn't have saw these negotiations in december it's everybody was just playing their their cards close to their to their hands so uh, close to their themselves and so now you know with, with the opportunities really being close you know, we'll see if we actually make some kind of movement. It sounds like they have some kind of agreements with some draft uh, negotiations with uh, what happened today. Manfred did talk to Tony Clark, didn't really talk to the players, uh, but he did seem like he was going back and forth within it. The meeting lasted a, a decent amount of time, which I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. We really can not be able to tell with uh, how long the meetings have lasted all week. But I want to be optimistic as well with you. Um, with a hopeful deadline for Monday. But with the constant moving of spring training, getting pushed back and back, and now we're not going to have a game until at least March 8th, that's something to really be concerned. However, if you look at 2020, when we did have the COVID season, we had a shortened spring training, and that didn't really impact the players too much. I mean, obviously, they only had a shortened season. They didn't have 162, uh, but we will see what happens. The really thing is, it's, it's hurting minor league players more than anything, and that's what really bugs me.
0: Yeah. Uh, so, so Nate, your thoughts on today's uh, lockout meeting uh, progression?
4: Yeah, I was just
3: reading uh, Evan Drellich's uh, new tweets. He just sent some out about three minutes ago. And Lo-
0: love text- that guy. Way that is that is an account that everybody needs to be following.
3: Yeah, I get alerts. I uh, have it set up so I get an alert when he uh, tweets. But yeah, it says here according to his tweet um, says the owners wanted to tie changes in the amateur draft to the 14-team expanded postseason. They have been seeking. Players didn't like that. There was still progress on the topic. It will continue to be discussed tomorrow. But that was a wrinkle as the day concluded. And then they put out an article that I'm going to, you know, cram before the test here and kind of go through as you guys talk. But uh, if I find anything else, you know. But, yeah, going back to December, I didn't think a whole lot of progress would be made in December anyways, with the holiday season and everything um, looming over their heads. I think they just wanted to, you know – put it to rest and start again with the, after the first of the year. And then January went by and nothing was really happening. You had those five, 10 minute meetings that really didn't do anything. They honestly, I'm not too worried about December as much as I am upset about how January just kind of went by and nothing happened. Um, I didn't expect anything to happen in December anyways. So that's kind of something that I was um, kind of thinking about. I was hoping that um, I was optimistic. and I was thinking that this would deal would be done by the end of, um January so that spring training who would be able to get kicked off but that didn't that didn't happen so I was wrong there so I my optimism didn't pay off so I guess from now on I just got to be a pessimist when it comes to MLB um I've already canceled MLB TV right now until they get a season going I'm not trying to get charged whatever it is a year to watch that and um I've already canceled my plans to go to spring training this year that's that's been bagged and hopefully I don't have to cancel the tickets when the Seattle Mariners come down here to San Diego over the 4th of July weekend.
0: Yeah, I mean that's the worst part. Uh I've got uh 6 games already. Well, technically I already have tw- I had 12 games in the first month of the season uh planned out. I already had bought I've bought tickets to the fir- to 6 of these first uh several ga- several home games including the opener against the, the uh, Detroit Tigers. So the- I got a feeling you know it's it's going to get canceled. I got a feeling it's going to get delayed. But I'm I'm just, I'm trying to keep an, a, a very open mind optimism here because I, th- there, there have been talks. They've been talking now for three straight days, which is a good thing. It's a good thing that they are because someone's going to get handcuffed by the way. And, and I got a bad feeling. It's going to get the, it's going to be the players, which I don't, I really hope that doesn't happen because I, I, I stand with the players. i I stand with these players because it's it's not millionaires versus billionaires. It's basically bosses versus employee, it's employees versus a boss. And these players are asking for fair for very fair, uh, you know uh, specifics uh, that you, I know one of them is for uh, the the pay raise to get increased. they did get a pay raise for minimum wage. Um, not by much though, not really by much. And, and if you look at inflation right now, what's going on in this country, you know, the, 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 the small rise in the, the small rise in this, uh, minimum wage for baseball, it's not that great. Yeah. I mean, it's, it could have been a little bit more, you know, if they would have raised it to $800,000, you know, maybe, yeah, that'd be great. But the, the players association and MLB are still you know, not seen eye to eye. And I, I, and I'm putting most of the blame on the owners because a, a lot of these owners just seem so fucking greedy and and it's, and it's pathetic. It's truly pathetic because you need, these owners need to understand something. When you miss games, when you have a shortened season, you're losing out on money. You're losing out on a lot of money. And look, do, are there players in baseball that are overpaid? Yeah. But here's the thing, there are also players who need to be paid. And you know, for for guys to ask, for for the players association to ask for the I think the arbitration uh period to get shortened by uh for four, I think to 4 years because look, guys like Jared Kelnick and Julio Rodriguez, they need to get paid. Uh you, we've already seen Wander Franco who got an 11-year, $182 million contract. First of all, that's not that big if you look at it. That's not really getting paid a lot because, uh, you know, Juan Soto turned down a 13-year, $350 million offer from the Nationals, which, credit to him, you know, I got to give him some credit on that because he is definitely one of the top five players in baseball, so he he deserves that Mike Trout money. But, you know... Again, I'm siding with the players on all of this. Uh, Christian, your thoughts on just the the whole lockout situation. And, you know, again, the the players, they deserve our support all the way.
4: Yeah, absolutely. So bringing up things, um, you know, talk about Wander Franco with that long contract. That's something that kind of started. Well, I don't know if it started, but in the last few years, we've seen that often. We saw what the Braves did with Acuna. We saw what the Braves did with uh, Ozzy Albies. They kind of locked them up long-term for not as much money as some of these max deal guys we got. So um, that's something just to keep in mind that these teams are trying to do that with these young stars. Um, You know, Fernando Tatis Jr. Did it too, Uh, not to the extent, but in the same way. But yeah, I agree. I think that if there is going to be anybody that's going to be handcuffed, it's going to be the players. Uh, They just don't have um, as much to negotiate as the owners. Uh, Unfortunately, as much as we hate to say it, uh, they can replace the players. They can't, you know, the owners are not going to replace themselves. Um, so that's something that we have to keep in mind when we are, you know, paying attention to these negotiations as much as we want to say that you can't replace Mike Trout. But unfortunately you really can, you know, you can do things like that. Um, but I really hope, like I said, really optimistic about Monday.
3: Yeah, I agree. I agree with that. Uh, you know, you can replace the players, but I mean, it's hard to replace someone like Mike Trout or, you know, someone, you know, like Fernando Tatis Jr., and which is why they lock those guys up early and for a long time. And, and that totally makes sense. But when it comes to the uh, minimum wage of players, yeah, I think these players, you know, they've worked their entire lives to hone a craft that only a certain handful of people are able to do, right? I mean, you have minor leaguers who never make it to the bigs. That means their craft hasn't been honed enough to get that far. You have college kids that are great at baseball, just never make it to the bigs. They don't even make it to the minors, right? So there's these kids that have been playing ball their entire life and then can't, you know, get to the bigs. Once you get to the bigs, you should get paid. And I totally agree with that. And honestly, let's be real, just like what we're seeing in our lives right now with inflation everywhere, the consumers are the ones that are gonna end up paying it anyways. So they're gonna raise ticket prices, they're gonna raise sweet box prices, they're gonna raise the price of I don't know what else. I don't know how revenue works in the MLB and how players get paid. But I know ticket prices have to have something to do with it. I don't know if concessions do or anything like that, but I mean, it's going to be expensive to go to a baseball game if, you know, the if the players do get paid more, which is just a something that we're going to have to deal with as consumers, right? But, um, but yeah, I, t- I totally agree that it's, you know, it's, it's a tough situation and hopefully they find some resolve soon. Um, for these rookie players, you know, getting paid the big, I'm more concerned about minor leaguers getting, like, enough money to actually survive their life as minor
0: leaguers. Yeah, that's what I was actually – I was about to bring that up, actually.
3: Yes, because, I mean, you have these guys that are working, you know, two jobs and playing baseball, right? And they're not in the gym working out where these guys that actually, you know, have – like, other than those that got, like, a big signing bonus, right? So You have guys in the minor leagues that are just, you know, they get a a 75K bonus because they were a low-level draft. That's what they get, you know, that's like one year – If you have like a decent job as a normal American. Right. And then you have, you know, then you have to pay your rent. And then you got guys living in a one bedroom apartment, like six people living in there. And then they're just eating PB and J their entire life. And then they have to go work it, you know, as Uber or something like that. And then go find time to work out, get hacks in get pitches in or whatever they're doing for their job in the ML baseball pitching, catching, whatever. Right. They have to go get their reps in and then they have to go work out and like refine their body. And then they have to find, you can't, you can't take care of your body when you're only eating peanut butter and jelly or whatever. Right. Like you need to be able to have like somebody, I think proposed that, you know, every MLB team should have like their own, every minor league team should have their own cook. They have their own chef so that when they're playing ball, they have their, healthy meals provided for them so that they don't have to go out and eat like garbage or go to McDonald's and get the two for three fifty, or whatever, you know, like the cheap stuff. That's not good for you. So I think that's where, you know, major league baseball needs to start, you know, considering putting more of their assets is on the, is on the young, younger guys. So um, yeah, I guess uh, I was just kind of reading this article from the athletic. It looks like, um the only area they gained ground in was the proposed amateur draft lottery and the players countered it and it's not resolved but that that apparently made a little bit of progress i mean that's not even like one of the big deals so i guess every inch counts but we're running out of time they've already canceled march 5th 6th and 7th spring training games and they're so the earliest they can start is march 8th if the deal is done by Monday, the
0: 28th. And that is a, and that's a big if right now. That really is a big if, unfortunately. Um, you know, I was watching a, one of Julio Cruz's videos the other day, and th- this is, this is something that kind of irked irked me a little bit about it. This is a guy who, uh, because of his high, uh, because of his high value to the team being a high prospect, he is able to afford unbelievable jewelry the way he is he's able to go into a store a shoe store and just casually spend 250 on a pair of sneakers um you know and, and here's the thing i'm not bad mouthing julio rodriguez it's just you know it, it's it's unfair that guys like him are the ones making the big bucks when he's never stepped foot on a major league field before and most of the other minor leaguers are just barely getting by I mean, Sam Carlson I'll get, is a good example. You know, he got a decent bonus, but, you know, he's been saving his money for years and years, and he's had to sell multiple shoes. He's had to sell his PS4. He had to sell his Xbox as well. So, you know, it, it's hard for these minor league players. And the, the bad part about the Players Association is that they don't, they're not looking out for the minor leaguers at this point. They're not looking, the minor leaguers have nothing to do with the Players Association, which is a bad thing. Because, you know, again, I, I knew I knew Ian Miller, who lived here uh, during his time in uh, with the Mariners for the Rainiers. And he said that, you know, he had to find someone to to just, you know, bunk with. Uh, and be, before he started actually getting paid, uh, I think he got paid uh, the minimum of. I think it was uh, five hundred thousand dollars for some something, or no, not five hundred thousand. He, he was getting a two hundred fifty thousand dollars, and he said even that was barely. He said even that's barely not even enough to to live off of. And you know when you're when you're talking about two hundred fifty thousand dollars, that's you know a job where you have a college degree, you're making the big bucks, you're basically working at Microsoft, or you're one of the heads up in you know one of the tech guys up at Amazon, you know, designing technology for Amazon, you know, those people, those people can live off that, but it's just these players, uh, you know, again, I, I feel so sorry for the minor leaguers because again, these guys work so hard to get where they are. Most of them will never ever get to the major leagues, but the problem with that is, is that they're paid, not, they're not even well compensated for it. And it's it, it's sad to see because these minor leaguers they they do a job in a in a in a league that makes plenty of money to pay them very well they should get paid very well they should get paid at least the minimum to where they can be able to afford to live off of not have to go get a not have to go be an Uber driver not have to even get a second job I mean I work for Amazon I'm an Amazon driver and I had a a boss who was Uh, a high pick. He got a call. He, the Texas Rangers got him, but he said that after the season was over, after the minor league season was over, he had to go get a job. And and, you know, it's, it really, look, is it that big of a deal that they get a job outside of baseball? It's not really that big of a deal, but the problem is is that it's the fact that they are not well compensated. They are not paid good enough money to where they can live off of that's or the how, problem are, you, or that how are
3: you or how are you going to go work out in the off season if you're working nine hours a day or eight hours a day
0: exactly right? Those, that's,
3: you got to be able to get better at your game and you can't do that when you're working a full-time job like it's hard enough for me to even get like like a gym session or something you know like for an hour after work right i'm tired i don't want to do anything i gotta eat dinner then i go to bed and wake up at four thirty to do it all over again so just i i mean these guys need to get paid a little bit better than they do, in my opinion, when it comes to
4: the minor leaguers. Yeah. I mean, $250,000, you said that's actually higher than most, if we're being completely honest, Uh, Mm -hmm. the national, the average for a minor league player in the United States is $17,000, which is below the national poverty level. Um, So yeah, this is, this is an issue, but unfortunately this is something that the negotiations are not going to be taken care of. This is something that is going to have to go through legislation uh, with the actually United States government. This is something that falls under which issues with the Sherman Antitrust Act. So um, the fact that there's actually um, a waiver, really, waiver is not the right word here, but um, that allows the MLB to not pay their minor leaguers um, an, an actual livable wage. So this is something that's been looked at, but not taken care of fully and really needs to have a full eye on it moving forward.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's uh, again, it, it's just upsetting to me that, uh, look, am I jealous of these players that they, like, here, here's the thing, 10 years ago, I actually thought these players were paid very well, and it took 10 years later to find out that these players are not paid well. I mean, that's sad. I really, I thought these guys were making good money, and to, come to find out, like, even the low guys that are just starting out in uh what is it high a everett they're they're barely even making ten grand. I mean that's just sad. That is sad that you're that you're paying those kids only ten grand. I mean they you can't live off that. you really cannot live off that. um now people will say, oh, but what about their signing bonuses? Yeah, their signing bonuses are good, but it's just sometimes depending on sometimes the yeah, up. sometimes they're good, but it's just most of them who get drafted like in the lower, lower, low draft draft levels they're not going to get paid that well with the signing bonuses so no. they need to get they they do need to raise the minimum wage for for minor leaguers um i want to say for like high a guys or low a guys it doesn't matter if you're in high or higher low single a or higher low single a i think the minimum wage for that should be at least $75,000 uh for double a i think you should get at least a $50,000 raise so put it up to $125,000. If you uh, are able to get to AAA, I think you should be getting paid um, between, uh, I want to say two, uh three, and $400,000. Because again, the, the minimum wage for baseball now is I think $650,000, which is, again, if, if you want to go ahead and talk about inflation, that's not a lot of money right now for these guys. It's not a lot of money because they're not going to be able to live that well um, with that money, with how bad the, the inflation is going up. But again, you know, that's just my thoughts on, you know, how minor leaguers should get paid. Uh, Christian, your thoughts?
4: Yeah, I mean, that's not a bad idea. Uh, I would probably, if I had to make any kind of recommendation to add to that, um, if we're going to have an arbitration where we only allow players before they hit arbitration, to be four or five years, well, then we make some kind of projected or progressive scale, where we start off at year one, there's a certain baseline of a salary where there's a floor and a ceiling, and year two, the same thing, year three and same thing. Now, obviously, if they hit the major leagues, things change, but within the minor league system, there's some sort of floor and ceiling, and obviously, that floor has to meet some minimum wage requirements. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, I'm looking here at the MLB draft of last year. It looks like in around 20, they don't have all the signing bonuses, but even in the 20th round, you had a guy with Cleveland, 606 overall, got a 300 k bonus. Um, 608 got a $35,000 bonus, and then 609 got 25. So, I mean, people are getting bonuses. They just, they're just they just a wide, a wide scale. I mean, you go to round one, though, I mean, you're in the millions. Round mm-hmm. one, at the, who was number one? Davis Henry Davis out of Louisville got a $6.5 million bonus. Uh, Jack Leiter got a $7.2 million. 7. Eight million dollars pretty much. I mean, you got guys drafted even later that were getting pretty high bonuses, like like even the t- uh, ninth overall got three. Um, eighth got five million, seventh got three million. It's just crazy. So I mean you got guys getting millions like six, you know, seven figures, you know, of signing bonuses, and then you got 25k down at the end there i don't i don't like the 25k bonus i think it's kind of lame i think if you're going to give someone a bonus you gotta give them like you know six figures say hey welcome to
0: getting picked but those are expensive too yeah um another thing that you were mentioning is you know when it, when these players get paid more you know ticket prices are going to go up uh concessions will probably go up but it's it, you know I don't think that it should affect it because again, there are ways to be able to pay these players and, and teams not teams, not do that specifically. I mean, for God's sakes, I mean, the Yankees, they, they, I don't think they've changed their ticket prices uh, in the last uh, five years. And they've still been able to pay players the, the amount of money that they've been able to pay them. Um, the 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 one team that I do think that is going to raise ticket prices just because of how much they are paying players and with how much they're possibly going to be paying one of their players is the Angels. They're gonna, definitely going to start raising ticket prices because, I mean, you have Anthony Rendon, you have Mike Trout, you have uh, Noah Syndergaard. You, I mean, you you have players that these that people want to go watch, but you have the face of the entire league making peanuts. Yeah, <laughs> Joe Madden. <laughs> he got paid but, too. Yeah. He did. But, yeah. but, uh, but you also have Shohei Ohtani, who is possibly going to be getting paid here very, very soon because I don't think the, the Angels are going to want to let this guy walk. But, you know, th- th- there there has been rumors that, you know, th- that Ohtani may not accept a deal from them because if they don't get into the playoffs and they're not a World Series study, he'll probably just go to a team that is. But, you know, with how much they're paying just four players and a manager, you know, they're definitely going to start raising ticket prices And it. And again, it's, it's absolutely ridiculous to be, to punish the fan just because you're, you're overpaying some players. But I mean, I mean, one of those players in particularly is the best player in baseball right now uh, next to Shohei Otani.
4: Yeah. I, you know, as much as I want to agree with you, I, there's a, the owners are, they're greedy, you know. Any every kind of businessman is greedy. There's a reason that rich people stay rich, right? They find a way to bring it back to the consumer. So I I completely agree with uh, what you're saying, um, but it might not be, you know, the Yankees. You might not see it with the Yankees, but I feel overall we will see a rise in average ticket sales throughout the league. I think we will see a rise in average concessions. There will be a way that the fans will will be paying for whatever kind of negotiations do change. It might not be something drastic, but there will be some increase.
0: Yeah, there's there's definitely going to be an increase. Uh, no matter where, no matter where we go, no matter who we're playing, but it's just, it, it's tough to think about that. It's really tough to think about you know us having to pay more money because you know back when back when I was a kid, I, I'll give you a good example. You know, my mom gave me fifty bucks to go to a game at the kingdom with my friends, and fifty bucks back then got me a nice bleacher seat. Uh, a hot dog, a soda, and a couple extra bucks left over to get, you know, probably an ice cream there. So, you know, 50 bucks went a lot, a long way back then. But now it's just the, the dollar is not strong here in America. It's not as strong as it used to be. You know, $50 doesn't get you much nowadays. It really doesn't get you that much nowadays. Um, I'll but... get you two beers.
3: I'll get you two big beers at a San Diego game.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Uh, well, I'll say this, you know, you can go to, you can go to a Mariners game, and get a 32 ounce Coors Light for, uh, 13 bucks, which I think is a bargain. I think that's, a, that's a bargain right there. Um, but you know, getting back, uh, let, let's, let's just real quick talk to some Mariners baseball though. Cause that's, that's something that we definitely haven't been able to talk about for the last couple of weeks, just because of nothing happening, but, you know, with this upcoming season, if there is, uh, I want to say maybe a hundred and forty game season. I want to say that no, that's don't say it. One sixty two, one sixty two, one sixty two. All right, no. one sixty two games. Opti- so... Where's the
4: optimistic? You just you just said it. Where is it?
0: <laughs> so I mean, with with a with these hundred sixty two game seasons, you know, I saw one uh, the uh, what is the name? Uh, Mark. Uh, what the hell is his name? Uh, Mark, what the hell I'm trying to find him. Okay. I guess I don't, I don't know what the hell happened. Um, but giraffe neck, I guess that that's his, that's his Twitter handle on, uh, Twitter, but you guys know who I'm talking about. He's he's actually a Mets no. fan.
4: I don't. I don't okay. Uh, so
0: I'm, I'm, I'm just like skipping a beat. I'm just, like, yeah. Uh, anyway, um, He said one of the players that he has his eyes on to have a breakout season in 2022, uh, which I love. I love the fact that he did say because I've been saying it for a while now is Jared Kelnick. He is expecting Jared Kelnick to have a breakout season, Um, and you know that's that's I noticed the other day that I think now Jared Kelnick is now a Franklin uh, player now, no longer a Nike player because he, he switched to Franklin batting gloves. It's so funny how I, how I've noticed of how Jared Kelnick he went from Under Armour to Adidas to Nike now to Franklin. Like this guy just has no where he doesn't know where to, to really, uh, what gear to wear, but you know, I love that pick. I think Jared Kelnick is the pick to click in 2022. I think we're going to see, him bat over 250. We're gonna see uh, 25 plus home runs and uh, possibly 85 RBIs, if not 90 RBIs. And, you know, he'll he'll probably get close to that 100 RBI mark, but I don't think he will get to there. But I do love that. I, I love that we have someone outside of Seattle saying that Jared Kelnick is the pick to click for the 2022 Mariners. I mean, Christian, would you agree with that statement, or would you or would you say that someone else? is the pick to click for the Mariners in 2022. Well, I really
4: like that pick. I think that's something that you should obviously, you know, really pay attention to. I think he has the opportunity to really do exactly what you said. I can see him being a 25, even 30 home run guy um, being very close to hundred RBIs. I think he has a really good opportunity, especially on what's going on with the roster changes this year for Seattle. Um, and the fact that hopefully, you know, the, the Pato is going to get actually sp- start spending some money, um, which he got the green light to do so. Um, but one guy that I'm really interested in, and it's just to see what kind of season he's gonna have after, you know, the the injury fall last year is Kyle Lewis. I'm really excited to see what will happen once he does come back. He had such a great was it 2020 when he was rookie of the year. Um, yeah. It was just fantastic. And I, you know, unfortunately last year, I believe it was the meniscus that he tore. Um, and then, you know, obviously hoping that he comes back this year, um, nice and strong. That's who I'm really excited to see. But Jared Klinick, yeah, I, he's probably the safe bet for uh, to be your
0: shining star in the Mariners jersey. Mark I would Louie, Mark Louie, gonna... no, Mark Louie, uh, Okay, that's, yeah, that's yeah okay, name. yeah, I know him. Yeah, okay, yeah, that's that's who that's who uh, picked Jared Clinick. Uh, go ahead, Nate. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Yeah,
3: so I think uh, I'm going to stick with my boy Ty France. I think he's going to be the one that just breaks out. He's going to have like 40 bombs. Wow, he's gonna have hundred homers or a hundred RBIs. I think he's he's my guy. He's my guy to like tear it up this year, and I think Mitch Haniger will do well too. Um, he was catching fire pretty good there at the end of the season. But I think you know Kellnick and France; those two are going to be a one-two punch. Those are the guys you don't want to face in the lineup. I think here in the next couple of years, See hopefully you for- this year
4: from an outside perspective looking in there's, it seems like almost there's a lot of question marks around the first base position. So unless you're thinking of France being the DH and still trying to find the first base position, um, that's just something I, I, I've seen that outside looking in. Yeah. And then there's a yeah, lot, lot of questions revolving sense. around where Hanneker going to go. So you, you so, think he's going to stay around?
3: You mentioned first base too. And then you got mm-hmm. Evan White who can, That's true. once he makes contact, he hits the ball a mile. He's just got to figure out how to get con, uh, make contact. And, uh, I hope you know he's been working in the off season, and I I like Evan White. I mean, they locked him up. I think
0: six, six years. years. Six. So yeah, so he uh, he's
3: he's locked in. They can always trade him and dump the contract. I'm sure, but
0: um, yeah.
3: I don't I don't want to give up on Evan White yet. I think him getting hurt and having some time off probably did him well to clear his brain, start over, get his body right, and uh, learn to hit curveballs.
0: Yeah, or sliders. Um, sliders. <clears throat> <laughs> so. Uh... Another thing about the Mariners this season is uh, right now, I saw a 710 ESPN post about it. Uh, so there is, and I also saw this, but there is a possibility that Freddie Freeman will not be back for the Atlanta Braves in 2022. That is wow. a big thing. Now, the thing yeah. about this, yeah, that's something I don't like to hear. I don't want to ever see it. It's just like with Felix Hernandez. You can't picture him in another Man. uniform no. besides a Mariner uniform. And of course, He did appear with a brave. So technically he was never a brave for a season because he never really, uh, played for them, but so he's still a Mariner technically, but, um, no, I mean, the thing about that I have with that is, you know, with Freddie Freeman, possibly not being in an Atlanta Braves uniform because, you know, could the Mariners look to go out and grab Freddie Freeman? Because I, I, no. I think that'd be an excellent move. I think you give him, you know, possibly a three to four or five year deal. Uh, you know, he is getting up there in age, but he can still play. He can, he, he's a, he's a good first baseman. He's a good hitter, but uh, just not a very clutch hitter when it comes to the playoffs. And that's something that you got to think about because I mean, honestly, the, the one guy that I can see the Mariners signing uh, once the lockout is over is I, I want to go ahead and stick with it. it it's either going to be Trevor story or Chris Bryant, but I want to say that Chris Bryant is the guy that is going to get signed by the Mariners. And uh, Christian, your you, just your thoughts on the, on the Freddie Freeman thing. And of course, uh, who do you think the Mariners would sign as soon as the lockout is over?
4: Well, first off, I I think that Chris Bryant is going to be your guy. If you guys do sign someone, I think that, I like there's it. a lot of bells and whistles pointing that direction. I'm, I'm with you on that. I, I wrote an article a few, uh few weeks back regarding that actually. Um, and um, but Freddie Freeman, very interesting. I agree. Completely agree. I think he's one, he's one of my favorite players in the league. I think he's a class act. I watched him. Uh, first time I ever got to see him as I went to national stadium, I watched him play against the nationals and he, uh, he hit a foul ball and Molly hit the foul ball. The bat fell out of his hand and it flew into the stands It actually hit a little kid in the, like the face. Ugh. He stopped the game, went over there, made sure everything was okay. He didn't care. He didn't care if it was if it was captain. And, like, and that's just cool. You know, it's a really cool class act. So I've always been a big fan of Freddie since then. And then obviously, you know, what he's done in 2020 and then last year, you just can't see him anything but a brace uniform. Completely agree. Now, looking at him possibly being a Mariner, uh, I mean, I think that – there's going to be, I think he's going to be very, it's going to be a very competitive market for him from a lot of the big market teams that Seattle may not be able to keep up with. And if they do, it might be something that Depato has done in the past that you're not going to want to see, you know, who signed that Albert Pujol big contract for the angels, right? You know who did that, <laughs> right? And that, uh, that, wasn't she, I... that, she, that yeah. was your guy, Depato when he mm-hmm. was the angels GM. So, you know, you know, so um if I was as much as I think Freddie Freeman still has a lot left in the tank, there's gonna be a time where if you're signing someone that that aged, you're gonna put you're gonna put some years on his contract for safety and security to get him to your team. And there's gonna be a time where you're regretting that contract. Regardless, I think the
3: Yankees have the top pick on him right now. They're the they're the favorites to get him. I think right now, the Yankees.
4: I mean mm-hmm, but. everybody I, I mean if let's let's be honest. If you every time you think of a free agent, the Yankees always name is always coming into yeah. the situation, right? Um well, he's, he's a left-handed hitter though, right? He is, yeah. Is. I mean he, he makes is. sense. He makes a lot of sense yeah. in the Yankees. Especially play. with
0: especially with the short porch and right field. He really does. And I hate I um, hate Seager. to see it. But he I does. thought
3: Kyle Seeger was gonna be a Yankee next year. I I, I thought I part.
0: thought so too. I really thought I well, actually, I will say this though, when uh Seager when Corey Seeger signed his deal, I thought maybe Kyle Seager would end up in Texas, go play with his brother for one more year. Yeah, I mean, it'd be nice to
4: see it now. Josh Young being out, it may be nice to see him maybe come back. All right. But yeah.
0: yeah. But um, so another thing that I wanted to talk about real quickly is, um, you know, with, with everything going on in baseball right now with everything, not, you know, again, I'm, again, I, I I'm keeping that optimism. We are going to have a 162 game season. That I'm way. not going to miss one single game in my Florida trip to go watch the Mariners play the Mar Marlins and the Rays, uh, because it, I will say this: if that if this, if those games get canceled, that that Florida trip of mine is just going to turn into a golf trip. There you go. Which I I'm, I will say this: I'm not really going to bitch about. I I, <laughs> I love I've golfed down in Florida once, and it's and it's amazing. It's a, it's a very uh, and oddly enough, I did not get sunburned. I did not get sunburned, especially, especially with my, especially with me being a ginger in my skin. <laughs> but, um, I don't uh, believe you. I don't believe you. <laughs> I have the photos to prove it. <laughs> but I got sunburned uh, today golfing. Yeah. See, <laughs> no way. By it the way, pretty, uh, by the way, days. Nate, um, how much longer until the baby's arriving? Uh, so due
3: April sixth. So I could have an opening day baby.
0: Hey. There we go, dude. And hey, the funny thing is that your your son's gonna be born, uh, the week before the two year anniversary of this podcast. Oh, that's cool. That yeah, that's yeah, was... that's even that's even better. Um, but uh so after yeah. my birthday, <laughs> so on the end of March, he could come on. He could come on the end of March. I, I mean, I'm
3: not doubting that at all. So he could be anytime.
0: Like,
3: <laughs> I got like 30 days left of like quiet. I think.
0: <laughs> Good luck. Yeah. That's yeah. a That's a, Christian. Do you have any kids? I have one on the way as well, actually. Yeah. Uh Boy or girl? Oh, girl in May. There we go. Did you, Have we picked out the name for her yet? We have, but that's a secret. Oh, okay. Okay. I, I, I will, I will keep the secrecy. Mm-hmm. Uh, another thing. So again, another thing that I wanted to talk about with uh, uh what's going on here in baseball is, uh you know, uh today, uh, you know it's it's amazing of how a lot of these players have showed up to these meetings but the one the two guys that i'm actually shocked that i haven't seen show up the the two guys that i have really shocked that i have not seen show up who did show up in a meetings a couple weeks ago is ken griffey jr and Derek jeter and um i th- this is my honest to god opinion um after this lockout is over After this lockout is over, Major League Baseball needs to do its absolute best to fire Rob Manfred because what what Rob Manfred has done to the sport of baseball, he has given Major League Baseball the biggest black eye that they could have possibly ever asked for. Um, All he has done is tried to destroy the incredible game that is baseball. He has given me again and especially when baseball is now starting to grow it's it's starting to grow and and again it's uh it's tough to watch that it's really tough to watch that christian
4: well i'll tell you what as as much as you want to get rid of manfred and i agree i think that there's a a need for a change there uh, especially to find a way to make the game more approachable and more entertaining for the younger generation. Cause we're really losing that in this game. The average MLB fan is 42 years old. That's a problem.
0: Um, oh, shit. So yeah,
4: 42 years old, but there's, he is the commissioner who is, you know, he is hired by the owners. You know, he is employed by the owners. And right now he is speaking and working in this negotiations on behalf of the owners. So if the owners get what they want and they feel like this was a a, a good negotiation, a good process, then they're not gonna get rid of them. They're not going to get rid of them. So as much as that might impact this on a fan standpoint, we see this in the NFL as well with Cadell. Uh yep. it's just it's just if the owners are happy with what he's done and he can handle the shitstorm of whatever's coming his way and handle those tough questions, then he's doing exactly what he needs to do. He's basically a press secretary
0: for the most part. Yeah. <laughs> uh Nate, your uh your t- your uh final thoughts on this uh before we get out of here. No, I agree. I think Manfred
3: needs to go. He's definitely tarnished the game. Uh, We're already, I mean, people are already kind of getting bored with baseball and how long games are and all that, you know, yada, yada. And, and then just adding this to, to the mix, especially with like people, um, you know, just starting to like baseball. This is just throwing a wrench at things. They might not even know what's really going on. They might just be expecting games to just start in April. Right. So um but for all of us that really enjoy the game and and go to a lot of games it's 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 really frustrating i just i want to be able to go to these games i want to be able to support you know the players but in the end of the day we're all we're going to be end up supporting the owners and mlb by purchasing a ticket and going to a game so it's kind of a double-edged sword there but again um if you have opportunity to go to games once they happen go watch these Mariners you know win I think they're going to be a good team this year this is a terrible year to have a for the Mariners to have a collective bargaining agreement lockout um, MLB could end this lockout anytime they, they're the ones that implemented it. it doesn't have to be there we could be moving on they're just trying to have leverage over the players and um, it's unfortunate and that's pretty much all I have for today
0: definitely all right, that's going to do our baseball segment. Christian, uh big shout out to you for uh coming on here. We look for uh definitely want to get you back on here. Absolutely. Um hopefully uh by next week maybe if the if the lockout is over uh, or actually let me rephrase that. When the lockout is over next week. There you go. Let's get let's get you back on here, man. Uh but if uh, uh knock on wood, if not, if the lockout is not over, definitely let's uh, get you back on here after the first week of the the season starting, man.
4: Awesome, sounds good. Thanks for having me.
0: De- definitely man uh, don't forget to uh subscribe to us uh, on youtube apple podcasts and wherever you listen to your podcast man have a good night man you too go, Z- go zags <laughs> all right nate uh you uh on the other hand man uh thanks so much for coming back on the show man i i know it's been a couple of weeks since we've been talking but uh yeah it's been always good it's been <laughs> always good been to have busy, you back man. on man I'll See you yeah. next week
3: yep yeah, sounds good buddy thanks
0: you too, brother. All right. That is going to do it for this baseball podcast or baseball stream. But now we got our boy, uh, K-Hart. What's going on, bro? Oh, audio. Audio. Can't hear you. Can't hear you. No, no, no. I can't hear you.
2: It happened again.
0: Oh, what? there we go. <laughs>
2: <laughs> My Elgato for some reason. But yeah. <laughs> saying bring baseball back you know we, it's we got we need some boys play you know we got to see the boys play we got to see the Dodgers play we got to see the Mariners play we got to see it I can't do this no more I'm tired uh, no
0: I I, yeah. I, I I agree man and uh, real quickly if you guys missed last night both me and K Hart uh, did our first movie commentary together uh Scott Pilgrim versus the world as of right now the, the podcast on Apple has actually gotten uh, 50 hits which is really see? good see Trying to tell (laughs)
2: y'all. Trying to tell y'all, but let's get into it. So tonight, both of our teams, are the Kraken playing tonight? They should be, Uh, The Kraken are not playing tonight. They're playing on Sunday. Right, right, right. I'm thinking about last night's game, which was,
0: so Um, the Ducks actually played tonight. Yeah, the Ducks actually played tonight. So let's talk about last night, which was a very interesting game to say the least. Yeah. The first period saw the Kraken on the PK unit 5 for 5 times. Right. So they were on the they were on the power play unit for half of the period, but they did get a shorthanded goal thanks to Mark Giordano, second straight goal scoring a shorty. So that is good news, but on the other hand, you know, uh the Kraken went 0 for 3 on the power play. Both teams combined go 0 for 8 on the power play. Um and that's not good. That is that. That's not good. I want to also. T- I'll bring this up about the the Canucks game that the that the Kraken played against them. But uh, last night was just very, uh, again, another very difficult loss for the Kraken. This was a game that could have been won, um, but unfortunately, the, the, there was during the second period of the entire game. You know, there was the the Kraken had no offensive possession whatsoever. There was no offense for the for the Kraken from. Uh, after that goal by Mark Giordano uh, until the third period, really, because uh, you know, you know, the Kraken did get a goal in the second period uh, from Jordan Eberle, but again, you know, uh, th- there was just no offense. There was no offensive pressure by this team last night, and uh, again, it's it's going to bite you in the ass when you don't get pressure on the on a team because again, the the Kraken did not need to go to an empty netter, but uh, there were. There was a power play where you know th- for a minute and thirty seconds, you know Boston was in possession in the offensive zone for for being down a man. I mean, you just can't do that,
2: right? Right. So the way I see it, there's two. There's a positive and a negative. The negative is you spend half the period on the PK, therefore you you cannot generate any momentum at all, and it's hard to score without no momentum. Like you're not just gonna go out there. You know, pass, pass, score. It's just not going to happen. On the bright side, however, you stopped one of the one of the, I believe it's top ten most potent power plays in the league. So you, did. you can take that home to the bank. You know, because that that's that team has the quote unquote perfection line. So to keep that team keep that team
0: zero for five on the power play, that's a win. Even if it's and not and, on it, the, uh, and again, you know. all those power plays come in the first minute. Or, or first period, but uh, right. yeah, the, the ducks tonight, they're playing against uh, the Kings uh, beat LA, of course, go, go yes. Ducks. go ducks. Um, the one game that I want to talk about is the, uh, the Canucks Kraken game, which was a very difficult loss because, uh, you know, you, you, this is, this is the thing that, uh, so this is the thing, the power play unit for the Kraken, are ranked 29th in the NHL. The penalty kill for the Canucks are 32nd. They are dead last in the power play in the PK unit. The Kraken were able to get a power play four times in that game. And against the worst power play unit in the entire league, they couldn't even get one. And that's just, that is just a no-go. I get that. I get that it's hard to score a goal. It's it's very hard to score a goal even on the power play. Um but against one of the worst power play units or pk units in the league which it has a 69.1% chance of success which is the worst in the league. I mean it, again it's just it's not good.
2: Ah the duality of man, right? You know you 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 can't do anything against the most powerful power play out there but you can't do anything against the worst is can't catch a break i tell you
0: yeah i mean it's it's a it's 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 tough to watch the kraken but i mean again you know this is this is what we have to deal with from a from an expansion team we i knew that this team was not going to win they weren't going to win straight out uh to begin with i mean but like we were talking with uh John Forslund last week. You know, one of the things that has just been absolutely impressive over these last few months is the goaltending by the Kraken. Last night, Philip Grubauer took. Uh, let's see, he took. Let me go ahead and pull this up. So Philip Grubauer last night took on 39 shots and saved in only and saved 36. But it's. It, the, the the positive side to this is that, you know, Philip Grubrower was getting so, he was getting heckled so horribly in the first half of the season, but he's showing everybody why the Kraken got him. He is one of the best draft picks that they got out of that expansion draft. Oh, without a
2: doubt, without a doubt. But the problem is the team's just not built to score. If you really look at them, they're just not built to score right now. That's just tough reality, but that's what it is.
0: Yeah. So in reviewing for the, for the, for the expansion draft, I have five players that I can say were the best picks by the Kraken. One is Philip Grubauer. Two is Johnny Gord, because I think Yanni Gord is your score. You're he is. He's definitely your score. Three is Jonas Donskoy. I, I need to throw in my boy Jonas Donskoy because I, I do believe that he was a great pick. Number four is Brandon Tanev. Brandon Tanev was definitely a big pick. And number five, was Vince Dunn, or excuse me, or let me rephrase that, uh, Jared McCann. Um, <laughs> JC Jared McCann, and Jared uh, McCann of, of course got uh, injured, so right. he's on the IR. So you know what else? What else can go wrong for this team?
2: I, right, I, I hate to to bring up a sore spot, but I mean in the expansion draft, you know Tarasenko was right there. I don't know why oh, they were being Jesus so Christ. timid. So here's my thing. Why are you being so timid about the cap? Like you're not gonna do anything in the first year. Like it's just not gonna happen. So I don't understand why you do that. Like, and know, I'm surprised at the chance.
0: I'm surprised that the Kraken have not made a trade yet. I I was I was honestly I'm honestly expecting here every day to hear that Mark Giordano is on his way out because he, I I think he's I think he is the guy that is on his way out. Which which kind of sucks because again, he is the captain. He is the captain for this team. Um. I want to say come April or or you know near the end of the season, uh yeah so so in April you know Manny Beniers he's gonna get a chance to play he will get a chance to play for this team he'll get some ice time, um, uh there there was someone who did tweet this and then deleted it, but they said that uh Manny Beniers as soon as he gets on the ice should have the the captain's patch which I'm going, I'm going to disagree, yeah I'm too. going to disagree give him the assistant if mm-hmm. it, it, I'm I'm saying this. The reason why I say give him the assistant, if Mark Giordano is dealt, there goes your captain, then uh, Yanni Gord is your, uh, your it's your captain right there. Because I, I think Yanni Gord is wearing the, assi- no, that's Jared McCann. That's Jared McCann. who's wearing the assistant. So give Jared McCann the captaincy, but give Yanni Gord or Vince Dunn, the assistant captain, because look, Matty Beneers has worn the assistant captain's patch in Michigan, and he's worn it for the USA. But don't give this kid, don't, this kid does not is not ready to get an assistance Captain Patch or a Captain Patch put on that jersey the moment he steps on. The, that's why I don't like this. I don't like how people are putting so much pressure on him because like John, like John said last week, we don't know what we're going to truly get out of Matty Beneers. We don't know that he's going to be a success. People have got to stop putting so much pressure on that kid because you know, if he start, this is why I love how Maddie Beneers, he stays off social media. He really does stay off social media because I think the big reason why he does is because he doesn't want to put that, that he does not want to put that pressure on his shoulders and which is a really good thing. Right, right. And you know to
2: back that up i want to say give the captaincy and the alternate captaincy to somebody we know is going to stay there for a while so i would wait until the off season to see what happens like give it to somebody who's going to be here for another three four years before you decide to just give it off to the new kid that's the way i see it because why would you make somebody who's never played in the league the captaincy it just it just doesn't work like that i mean that's
0: that's the problem that's what i had with that tweet but um uh pay Jared mccann give him the money (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah jared mccann has been uh, jared mccann has been the best player that has skated out there for the kraken all season long um if someone was to have told me at the beginning of the season that jared mccann would not only lead the kraken in goals scored but also he would be the 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 top assist player you know i would say you're nuts I would have said you were nuts because I, I I knew Jared McCann was a good scorer and I knew he can, assist. Uh, well, I, I'm looking right here. Jared McCann has uh, 12 assists. So he's ninth on the team in uh, assists, but he, but Jared McCann, I've, I've watched him play. He's a good scorer and he creates those opportunities to score. So that's what Jared McCann does bring to this team. And it's shown. I mean, he he has been the best player that's skated out there. Yanni Gord has gotten very unlucky because I thought Yanni Gord would have been the top scorer for this team this year.
2: Just not getting the bounces. Mm-mm. That's all I that's no, no, really talk he really about. He's not a bad player, just not getting the bounces right now. But like we said with the uh, Jonas Downs score, it's going to turn around eventually. Like a, a funk like this doesn't last forever.
0: It just doesn't. No. So. so let's go ahead and talk some Anaheim Ducks. We haven't talked, we haven't talked ducks in, in a while because we've been talking mostly Kraken. but right. you know, this, this past week was a good one for the ducks. You know, the, uh, after last week's podcast, you know, they, they only played two games, but they beat Vancouver seven to four, which I love. They beat uh, San Jose four to three, which I love. Now they get to play the LA Kings here in about 30 minutes. Yeah. So hopefully they beat them. Find nothing. That way those Kings fans can just go home crying.
2: <laughs> well but, um, yeah so this is a must win tonight this is an absolute must win um because the ducks are getting to that point where every game is turning into a must win i i didn't want us to get there this soon but that's just what's happened especially with what happened in january and then the early part of this month but mm-hmm. uh they're still in the fight they're still very much in the fight. it's not time to, to tank for whoever's going to be the first overall it's not time there
0: yeah. Um, the, uh, the game against the, uh, the, the, uh, uh, Canucks was actually over by the second period. Uh, it was six to two by the end of the second period, seven to two by, by you know, by the third, uh, they allowed two more goals, which, you know, they, they, I don't think they really cared that they gave up that many goals, but it, it you know, um, when you can say that by the end of the second period, that the game is actually over, you know, you, you, you do take it easy. You do take it, you do Tend to take it a little bit easier on teams, but uh, the game against the Sharks though was goes into the shootout. Um, Ducks win three to two in the shootout with uh, Trevor Zegras and Troy or or Trevor Zegras and uh, Ricard Raquel getting the goals. Trevor Zegras, does it is it just me or does he just find ways to keep impressing us? He's that
2: dude. He really
0: is. Is he, is it just me or can he actually be the face of the NHL? Can he actually outshine Austin Matthews and Connor McDavid as the, without, Without I'm glad you said that because no, because I feel like Trevor Zegris is more likable. People seem to love Trevor Zegris more than they love Connor McDavid. And here's the thing. You don't really hear anything about Connor McDavid anymore you don't really hear anything about austin matthews even though austin matthews is leading the league in in goal scoring but it's just you know it, it's really weird to, to have an nhl season where you don't hear from those two players
2: well so the issue with conor mcdavid is he has the personality of a set of car keys like i'm gonna just start <laughs> start with like because in every picture he's in he's frowning he's pouting and the only time he's happy is when he scores a goal but then he remembered, damn. I'm still in Edmonton, so like I get it, you know. And then Austin Matthews, he's a little better. He's he's a little more out there, you know. Two time cover of the NHL games, but again, doesn't really have the personality like that. Now Zegres, however, killing the game. Should have won the Skills Company All Star Game. Should have won it, but was robbed. But mm-hmm. he's that dude. So there's, there's not much left to say. And yes, Detroit, he will be winning the counter this year. I would not be taking any doubts. Go argue with an octopus. like. <laughs>
0: so I, uh, before we get done with this segment, I wanted to bring this up. So it's been 42 years since the miracle in Lake Placid. Um, so the one movie that we needed to also commentate is Miracle on Ice because I'm going to be truthfully honest, and you are going to hate me for me saying this. I have never seen that movie. Okay. You know what? I'm, you know what? I'm not going to be
2: mad at you. You know why? Cause I had only watched the movie for the first time last year. So we
0: in the okay. same boat technically. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, um, but I, your mic is picking a lot of, picking a lot of, no, oh, right. There's a lot
2: of people in here. I know. <laughs> that's why I keep
0: mute myself a little bit. I'm trying to, <laughs> but, um, so another thing that uh was mentioned a couple days ago or yesterday in the, the broadcast for the the Kraken was uh 1981 to 82, Wayne Gretzky set an all time record of 92 goals in a season. <laughs> and but was it, it NHL or WHA? No, it was the NHL. Okay, okay. It's valid. He had, he had 92 goals and 120 assists. And there and were, uh, so I'm looking at his stats right now. There was a season where he had, so 85 to 86, he only had 52 goals, but he had 163 assists. Hey, just I like mean, my be a pro in NHL, boy. He just like me. He just like <laughs> me. <laughs> but yeah. so, so this is something I want to talk about. So mm-hmm. records like that are, so there are so many sports records that will, I think, stand for all time. Um, I want to go down the list. So uh Nolan Ryan's strikeout record, that is going to stand for all time. No yeah. pitcher is ever going to get that close. Right. Cowrick Cal Cal and juniors consecutive games played. Nobody will even sniff. Nobody will even get to a thousand games. I don't think there will be a player to play a thousand straight games ever again in baseball, because again, you need a day off like every, every six days, basically no and they take you out of the lineup, which, which is ridiculous because, uh, I want to say 90s players were so much tougher. Um, Still different, boy.
2: Now, uh, you know, let's now, see. Unfortunately, so there was a,
0: what? So I was going to say, in the NBA, there is a record that I don't think nobody will touch ever again. And it is, it's either going to happen, I think it's going to happen by the, no, I think it's going to happen next year. I don't think it's going to happen by the end of this year. But LeBron James will become the all-time regular season scorer Either this year or next year. I think it's going to be next year, actually. Um, I want to see how close he is, real quick. I I, I need to do this real quick. I, I need think to see it's how another
2: close he is. two or three thousand points.
0: I, okay, so uh, so he'll he'll do it within next year. Yeah, he's up there. He's very
2: up there. I was going to so, say, uh, Tom Brady's rings, because like nobody's ever going to win seven. That's not going to happen again.
0: No, there's just like there's really not going to be anybody who does that. But for hockey, yeah it's Gretzky's records for assists in a season goals scored in a season. Like you're lucky if you see someone score 50 goals in a season. Yeah. Because like I get that Gretzky, what Gretzky to me is the greatest hockey player of all. time. The yes. man just, the man just, the man knew how to score, but he also knew how to dish it out with the, with the apples. He knew how to dish it out with the assists. So, you know, his assist records and his goal-scoring records, it, it's it's unbelievable when I when I learned that. I did not even know it was that many.
2: Oh, it's a whole lot. I mean, because goalies were not good back in the day. The equipment was not that great back in the day.
0: So <laughs> So, let me ask you a question. Yeah. So, if Gretzky was to play in this day and age of hockey, prime Gretzky, mm-hmm. I'm going to say that prime Gretzky I think that Gretzky could get 60 a season he would definitely i think he would definitely i think he would average though at least i want to say between 45 and 50 i i want to go ahead and say that that's a good average that's a good average yeah he's... because because I, I will give him the benefit of the doubt because again like you said goalies weren't that good in the in those times equipment wasn't that good but you can't deny that he knew how to find the holes to score
2: Oh, absolutely. He he was playing fifth-dimensional hockey while like everybody else was playing 2D hockey in those days. Mm-hmm. Uh, I agree. He's slower than McDavid, but I think more efficient than <laughs> uh, Ovechkin. So I could definitely see the 45 to 50 happening um, every year. Mm, I could see it, but not 100 points, though. I think... Because guys miss easy easy shots all all year long, so... That's going to be really hard to do 100 points, you know, 50-50. That's going to be hard.
0: Oh, definitely. All right, so that is going to do it for our ho- for our hockey segment. By the way, be sure to tune in this upcoming Thursday. Me and uh, K-Hart here are going to be jumping back on to uh the bullshit commentaries to do another movie and again, it's a movie that he that that K-Hart here has never seen and of course it's one of my all-time favorites. Dr. Because Fee. I was too. <laughs> <laughs> was cool. but yeah but yeah, so excited. just to let you know you can watch it on YouTube, yeah. Google Apple TV, voodoo, and Amazon Prime and they're and it's all the same price thirty three okay. ninety nine all right no so one. so uh, which one are you gonna be watching it from you're gonna, you gonna be watching it from youtube or prime uh one two three movies one two three movies wheres where that at? <laughs> we thought to vibrate this movie it's <laughs> 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 I lag it's my fault I'm not. <laughs>
2: I'm not doing. It. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm. I got it. I got it. And this economy gas is going like crazy. I got to save all my dollars. You know. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, well, but I'm gonna well, watch it though.
0: Yeah, especially now though. I mean, it's gonna be jumping up to like between five and seven dollars a gallon.
2: Uh, I can't do it. I can't do it. I no. can't do it, Elon. If you're listening, please send me a Tesla. Please. I'm dying out here. <laughs> i'm dying i can't keep doing this
0: all right man so i will see you next thursday for bs commentaries and of course i'm gonna see you here next friday for uh more hockey talk bro so i will uh see you next thursday brother be good y'all later so that is it for the hockey segment of the show but now we bring in our good buddy jackson Phelps to talk some sounders what's going on dude uh it's good to be here man how's it going uh, pretty good. I don't see our, uh, stripper back there though. I don't see our stripper. No, nope.
5: It's our uh, Christmas is over. So we took down all the Christmas decorations <laughs> and not included the, uh, the
0: dancing snowman. Oh uh, man. So the, so the snowman retired just for, just for the next 11 months, huh? <laughs> that's correct. Yes. So we, uh, we don't really have a lot to talk about tonight, but, um, we do have this to talk about. Uh, last mm-hmm. night, the Sounders absolutely dominated, dominated in the yeah. Champions League five 0 and it was and it was absolutely incredible to watch because um you know th- th- this was a team coming from what was it Honduras yeah and you know i'm gonna give them credit down there you know those guys th- those guys know how to play soccer down there they are they are some of the best in the world to play and the sounders just flat out just just made them look like junior high kids they were not sounders had no mercy at all i loved it. I loved every second of it even though that uh FS2 was being a pain in the ass and went to college basketball for some dumbass reason. But um, <laughs> I mean, it was it was so fun to watch this team it, and it was a sign of things to come I I want to say uh for this upcoming season because uh I think the Sounders are a plus 600 to win the MLS Cup uh for the odds. So, uh, good odds right there. I'm going to go ahead and take those odds. I think I this yeah. is this is definitely I think one of the best teams that we've seen on paper in a long, in a, in a good couple of years.
5: hundred percent. I mean, it's funny because I'm doing a bunch of these, you know, MLS season preview hits, you know, and then talking to a bunch of national people and the general consensus from people is that if there was ever a major league soccer team, that was going to be the first to go win the CONCACAF champions league, the Sounders right now would be that team because of how deep they are, because of how talented they are. I mean, it is a ridiculous roster right now, and we started to see exactly what was advertised last night. Because when you get rolling, and and yes, it was against a team from Honduras. It's not like you know what you're going to face with Club León coming up here in the quarterfinals. But but they're still they still a quality team, and you just blew the doors. One hundred percent. Yeah, you you blew the doors off of them. So and and you did it from all these different ways. I, I think you know I I used for my headline um, on our recap. Five different players scored the five goals. And it, it mm-hmm. isn't just one guy. You know, Rui Diaz didn't even touch the score sheet. He left after 45 minutes. So, you know, but it, it, it's everybody else. It's Nico from the number 10 spot centrally. Um, Christian Roldan from a, a center defender spot and he pushes up the field. Morris scores from the left wing. Rusnak can so even
0: score on the right wing. They're
5: they're getting it from all these different spots that's so good just, by the
0: way. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. It's so good to see Jordan Morris back out on the field. Yeah, but continue yeah. what you were saying. I didn't mean. Yeah, to interrupt
5: no. So, so you're getting it from all these different places. Kellen Rowe, when he comes off the bench, you know. So and Leo Chu comes off the bench and scores as well. So you're getting it from all these different spots, and the rest of Major League Soccer must just be looking at this team going right now, going, how the hell do we stop them? Because, because even if we stop them after 60 minutes, they can bring on a guy like Leo Chu, who's a speedster down a wing and just totally gives you the sounders in their dimension. So you not only have to figure out how to stop a front six that's like the Avengers, you have to figure out how to stop the backups who are coming in who are who would, would, would probably get a playoff spot if they were a team themselves. So it's just it's, it's a, a stupid embarrassment of riches that this roster has right now. And and I, I agree with you, whatever odds the Sounders are, I think I saw a plus 700 earlier today from some side, but plus 600 is about right too. But Regardless of whatever the heck it is, you take that bet because they've been there four out of the last six years. They've been there more consistently than any other team in Major League Soccer. And they have the best roster they've ever had.
0: Yeah, I agree with that. First of all, only you would actually, only you would actually, uh, Putting in an Avengers, an Avengers little plot thing right oh. there. But the-
5: here, here, let me give you this. <laughs> Garth Loggerway, General Manager and President of Soccer, and I, we have had nice long conversations about the Avengers. Uh, and coming up on his, his 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 first appearance on Sounders Weekly this next Tuesday on KJR, we are going to talk about which Sounders are which Avengers. We had a we had about a ten minute conversation. We <laughs> he and I were about, about a month ago were there at training at, at Starfire. And we're talking for 10 minutes and he's already figured it all out. He's already figured out like which guy is which Avenger. And I'm like, stop, never say this again until you join my show. So next Tuesday, we finally will get to learn, according to Garth Loggerway, which sounder is which Avenger.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's that's another movie that I think uh, is on the list for uh, BS commentators. If you did not see that banner again, I will go ahead and put it back up. Uh, so, again, be sure to follow BS Commentaries on YouTube and follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts as well. We just put up the second episode uh, today. Scott Pilgrim versus The World. It already has 50 hits. But I want to – again, I, I need to also give another shout-out to Michaela Matt, uh, Matz, uh, And she was such a big help for the first-ever episode of BS Commentaries. Uh, she and I did Titanic together. It has – it has officially hit over a thousand hits on Apple in just the first week, which is absolutely <laughs> incredible. And you know, I never expected—I never expected everybody to actually love a movie commentary. I never even expected someone actually to, to take three hours out of their lives to just listen to people bullshit about that movie. But but um, if you didn't see uh, the movie that we're doing next week, it's actually one that K Hart has never seen before. We're doing Dante's Peak. I don't know if I've seen that one. Uh, Linda Hamilton and Pierce Brosnan. Oh, I'm
5: a big Pierce Brosnan fan. We've—I think we, you and I, have talked about James Bond and how much I love James Bond. So. Oh yeah, we, we
0: have. Um, I want to say later this year, probably. Uh oh. Oh, are are you just in the audio? Uh yeah, there we go. I don't. I'm not okay, sure you, you must have been. hit the stop cam for a second. <laughs> this
5: is this it's, it's, it's a new computer
0: that I'm working with right now. So. Oh I'm, okay. So. I was saying though that like later this summer, because you mentioned it uh, about it, we got to get together, and of course we got to get together with Softy because I, you said that he would love to do it too. <laughs> we'll do the Lord of the Rings uh, trilogy together. And you, you and you, <laughs>
5: either you haven't watched Lord of the Rings or you're not a fan of Lord of the Rings. Which one? Is so
0: it? I, I have never seen Lord of the Rings, but I just, I, I, but I have seen clips of it, and I just, I couldn't get into it. But you know, for For content and uh, just like hilarity, I will watch it all the way through. You know, uh, what you have to do is a certain
5: way, right? Okay. So you have to right now wake up on a Saturday or Sunday morning at like eight o'clock. What you do is you take like an hour, even the night before, prep food, prep breakfast, prep lunch, prep dinner, just prep the whole damn thing. And then you start watching extended editions of all of them. If you need them, I have them. Extended edition of Fellowship, extended edition of Two Towers, extended edition of Return of the King. You start at about eight a.m. or so, eight thirty, and you just go, and you do finish at about eleven p.m. I think. I think it's like twelve to 13, hours, oh all my way, God. 13 to thirteen hours all the way through. So you will finish in one full day, uh, but you get a good night's sleep, and then you just go, and it is a hell of a time. I tell you what, I mean, greatest trilogy trilogy of all time. So that has to happen.
0: Well, um, I got. I'll send you a tweet later that you need to retweet for us because. Uh... Let me go ahead and look it up. So we have a poll on uh, Twitter right now and it's actually a close one. It's just it just it, it just got a couple more votes to uh, so uh the decision is is which trilogy should the BS commentary family commentate first? Star Wars, Indiana Jones, Back to the Future, or Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles was leading for two straight days and Star Wars just took the lead. So okay. Um,
5: i, I mean, didn't I'm, so I'm, I, want, I want to see the percentage of this, is this i'm trying to pull it up right now uh um, here we go uh, my my, here, me, my my vote is absolutely back to the future as i believe it's the second best trilogy <laughs> of all time after, so so after
0: the the Rings. i'm sending you the the percentages right now via yeah. dm but um
5: oh no, that uh, is,
0: that's close though though that's no back- can you can you believe how close it is
5: wow so right now we have star wars at 31 Indiana uh-huh. and Jones at 22, T.J. mutant Ninja Turtles at 28, and then for some reason people are getting the wrong answer. And Back to the Future only has 19, <laughs> but Back to the Future is the correct answer because uh, everybody hates on number three. And I know we're supposed to be talking Sounders. I have like a couple minutes before
0: I go. Well, no, no, no. It. It's it's fine. But it's well. fine. Um, I actually <laughs> saw Delorean the other day. No. On my uh, uh, so I was so again. You know, I work for Amazon. I was delivering to an apartment complex out in Auburn. And I saw the cover, and I was looking at it, and I'm just like, that's a DeLorean, isn't it? And I just went like this. I just slowly lifted up a part of the wheel, and it said DMC, and I'm just like, it's a DeLorean. That's awesome. That's <laughs> yeah. awesome. There's also another DeLorean that I know that's out in a condo complex out in university place. So I've seen two really good, uh, in shape DeLoreans here in Washington. And it's been amazing, but yeah, let's go uh, get getting back to the Sounders. We got yeah, because, perfect, perfect, yeah. yep, got, really <laughs> quickly. So, um, reality here, what is, what is your prediction for this season? I mean, it, I know it's going to be MLS cup. It, 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 this is, this is a season where the Sounders do need to win the MLS cup because they have the team to do it. They have the team put together correctly and they have amazing team chemistry as of this point but also they have two if not three MVP candidates that can be that is on this team. Nicholas Ladero is one. Raul Ruiz Diaz is another one and he's also a golden boot candidate because he I think he is going to be uh, possibly getting into that 20 uh, scoring range this year and Jordan Morris is also uh, not only going to be uh, an MVP candidate but he's also going to be another comeback player of the year uh, candidate as well.
5: And oh, by the way, you have Albert Rusnak, who had 11 goals and 11 assists on. I the forgot other about him. I forgot also, about Rusnack. Theoretically, is an MVP, and you also have Jay, Joao Paulo, was an MVP candidate last year. I mean, realistically, you have five MVP candidates on the, on your team right now. It's just that's it's insane to think about. Yeah. So so you, we talk about expectations and what you know, the reality of what this season is. I think I think based on all the talk, I, I right now my hope is is they either win MLS Cup or they win CONCACAF Champions League. If you get one of those it's a massively successful season. If you get to the CONCACAF final or if you get to MLS Cup, I think it's still a successful season, but there will be kind of that taste in your mouth of oh gosh, you know, we we should have gotten, you know, one of those. Um but yeah, I mean, I think that's I think I think getting
0: Okay, you hold on a sec, Jackson. you actually muted your, yeah. <laughs> okay, working with a new computer here. <laughs> so that was weird. Um, what's even weirder is we're getting comments on our uh, on our YouTube videos, and this is just weird. It's very weird of how we're seeing this, but uh, eh, you're bound to get you' you're bound to get weirdos. You're getting weirdos all the time. But, uh, I don't know if we have, uh, I don't know if Jackson's going to be back on here. I'm going to keep talking a little bit, but, uh, yeah, so the, uh, comments that we're getting on our, uh, on our videos is very weird because, um, this is, it's very disturbing. I will go ahead and, uh, I'll, uh, so I don't know if I'll post this on, uh, on the Twitter account because this is just disturbing. Uh, people are always very it's it's a very disturbing universe out there. I don't know what's going on with people, but it does not look like uh Jackson is going to be on here uh for the rest of the show, but uh I will say this to to uh finish off the podcast. That is a huge huge expectation. Um is uh yeah, he's absolutely right. It's e- it's either Concacaf you you have to make the Concacaf final, win it or you have to win the MLS Cup and win or you have to go to the MLS Cup and win it. Um, so, you know, there's, there's so much, like he said, five possible MVP candidates are on this Sounders team and it's unbelievable. Like you've normally, when you see that many MVP candidates on a team, you're thinking that this team is going to win a title. I, I mean, you, you got, Oh, here we go. we got Jackson. Here we go. We got Jackson again. All right, my
5: phone, my phone is working. I think so. I can just wrap up my thought. Um, <laughs> I got, I, I got to run, but I, I, I apologize. My new computer is just is wonking out. So I. Apologize. It's fine, man.
0: So go ahead and continue and uh, finish what you were saying again. Yeah, I would say, I would say, uh, just to wrap it up, you know, uh,
5: whether whether you have one of those guys and such talented players win MVP, whether you do win it or not, I think, I think you gotta get, you gotta get to a final um you know whatever it is and 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 bring home some sort of hardware this year you know Cascadia Cup's great but whether it's the Shield whether it's the West Final Trophy whether it's MLS Cup or whether it's the CONCACAF one of those three I think uh one of those four excuse me Shield West Trophy MLS Cup or CONCACAF uh I think you got to get one of those four and if you don't get one of those four it's a disappointing year.
0: So here's another question for you, real quickly. I know, I know you do have. I know you got to get out of here real quickly. But um, so with the Supporters Shield being, you know, kind of a cursed trophy because not a lot of teams uh, <laughs> win that, win that, win that title, and only uh, one. To, yeah. yeah, only one. Only no, actually, there's been a, there's been a couple. Of well, ones. oh sorry, only one since 2013. There we go. Um, but could this Sounders team actually be that team? That can win the supporters shield and actually finish it off.
5: Yeah, I, I, they can because of that depth. Because because your bench is. It, it, uh, could contend for a playoff spot because you have guys like Callen Rowe, Will Bruin, Freddie Montero, um, who can slide in, Leo Chu off the bench who can come in on the wing. You have such depth and you have such versatility to play different lineups where, you know, it, it, depending on international duty, some guys can can come in and, and opposing teams won't know what the Sounders are going to play. Are they going to play four at the back? Are they going to play three at the back? it's going to keep other teams completely off guard of what Brian Schmetzer and his staff are going to do on a weekly basis. And I think you're going to rack up the points that way. And if, and and at the end of the day, what it really comes down to is if you're healthy in October, uh, if you're healthy in the playoffs, then we've seen what this team can do when they're healthy in the playoffs, they win championships. So that's what it really comes down to.
0: Definitely. I don't know if you saw the hat that I was wearing uh, at the beginning of the podcast real quick. I'll just show it to you real quick. So, I said that I was going to wear a baseball team every podcast. I started yeah. out with this one. One of my favorite ones of all time is the Indian? Okay. Cleveland Indian World Series patched hat. I always loved that one. I always love to show it off. But uh, yeah, Jackson, I know you got to go, man. Um, I will go ahead and let you get going. And by the way, congratulations on being a homeowner here soon.
5: Fingers crossed. We're looking at one. So, uh, <laughs> you know, hopefully hopefully we can put an offer and hopefully this one works because it is a crazy process. So So wish us luck.
0: <laughs> definitely. And, uh, I will uh, talk with you next week. Hopefully. Thanks so much. Appreciate it. Have a good night, man. <laughs> that is going to do. Di- All right. So, uh, real quickly before we get, uh, before I wrap up this podcast, I also want to give uh, talk about a big, serious situation that's going on in this world, uh, about what is going on in Ukraine. Um, I do want to get a little bit serious here, but I want to go ahead and say that what is going on in Ukraine is disgusting. It is vile it's evil and i am in support of ukraine i hope the ukrainian army succeeds and comes out victorious because evil has no place in this world and again i hope that we i hope that you know we there is no war to come i really do because it's it's there's no winner in wars all there is is losers and deaths and we do not want that on our hands but i want to say my thoughts and prayers are with the citizens of ukraine the people of ukraine and of course my thoughts and prayers are with the country of ukraine because again what is going on over there is despicable it's disgusting and it's evil and we all need to be supportive of ukraine and hope that they can come out on top and again i know that we don't usually get into serious situations like that but it's something that i wanted to to bring up but that is going to do it for this episode of seattle sports diaries i will talk to you guys next week along with every one of my co-hosts we will be back here and i am saying